Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Of Record is a podcast focused on the marketing and advertising industry from the perspective of two industry experts. Hosts Matt Farrar and Joe Clements are co-founders of Strategic Digital Services, a digital marketing firm based in Tallahassee, Florida, and founded in 2014. I'm Matt Farrar. And I'm Joe Clements. And this is the Podcast of Record. All right. Hey, podcast listeners. This is producer Kyle here with Joe Clements in studio. And this is something we got a taste of a lot a few months ago. No Matt Farrar in the studio. Matt's on vacation. Matt's on vacation. He left us here. Yeah. I don't know if you realize Joe and I don't take vacations ever. I don't think we've ever had a day off. Um, so that's why we're in the studio. Committed. Committed. Yeah. Committed to bring the latest in digital media and marketing news. Yes. To your ears. Um, and so here we are. This is Joe's going to go ahead and lead us off. Uh, and we're just going to. I just want to start by saying yeah. the studio is kind of coalescing. Yes. Like more things are being put in place in here. Mm -hmm. It's starting to become boards. more acceptable. Yeah, yeah. TV. TV up too. So we can start showing stories up there. And then eventually. Still don't have the cough button in here on the mics yet. Yes. That is true. Still don't have a table either. Yeah. But. All right, let's get into it. Nobody cares about that stuff. Yeah, they don't. Nobody can even see in here. No. All right, so I think we're going to go for a news blitz. I got a, a lot of things just in the queue. I think some of them are like a little bit relevant. So we're going to do some like news snacking. Okay. Some snacking on some digital news, okay. just like, uh, you know, popcorn at the Ooh, party. I'm going to the movies tonight, too. So I'm, I'm not seeing Joker for a second time. Oh, good. Good for you, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think I <laughs> All right, so getting us started out of Ad Exchanger, Hulu moves to first price auctions for its OTT inventory. Joe, what's a price auction? So auctions are the way Google and Facebook sell most of their ad inventory, which is you have an audience you want to show an ad to, you bid what you're willing to pay, 
uh, for the impression, for example. It's really per thousand impressions, but yeah. I'll spare you that. Uh, and then the highest bidder gets to show their ad to uh, the target audience or to that person, the target audience. Okay. Now, OTT, this only works when there's a lot of advertisers bidding up inventory. You only want to do auction when you have enough advertisers to bid against each other for the same audience. Now, if you don't have that, what you want to do, and this is what most OTT looks like, is you just sell the ads for a straight price CPM. Now, you a sign of a market maturing is when it gets into the auction status for its content. Now, Hulu's the first to do this. It may work for them, may not. I imagine you're probably going to see Amazon when they really gear up. Amazon TV is going to be second. But watch for this to start happening because the inflection point comes when most of these platforms that are doing ads, OTT, are selling the ads at auction. So that'll be the first thing. The next step will be they will open up beyond just you know miscellaneous ad exchanges that have access to make buys. They will open up uh, similar to Facebook or Google or Spotify. They'll open up self-serve platforms where advertisers uh, can place ads. And they'll do that on a limited basis for a few years and then open it out. So right now with Hulu specifically, or maybe before this announcement, or and even right now, are you calling up Hulu? Or are you emailing Hulu's yep. ad department or whatever? Yep. Typically, okay. it's going to be a direct buy mm -hmm. uh, placed on Hulu. Now, in some cases, for some of the networks, they may have access to like Discovery Channel may get to sell some uh, ads on their shows in Hulu. Mm -hmm. um, but typically, it would be a direct placement. You would call and you know someone would place the ad for you. Okay. But the auction is the first pivot point into what makes digital media digital media. And if you remember, we talked a few episodes ago, mm -hmm. I think another one when Matt was out, about what's the difference between digital and traditional. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is that bid market coming into play, where we're not bidding against each other in theory, we are bidding against each other in near real time to show our ads. Yeah. So important thing to watch there. By the way, if I sound a little stuffy, I'm starting to get sick, so you may hear me sniffle, and I don't have a cough button yet, so... We're deal throwing with away yeah. the filter that is on the outside of Joe's mic. Yeah, we should do that. Weeks. So uh, next story, again, this is a follow-up. It's a good week for follow-ups on things we've covered before. Wow. Uh, eBay, Stripe, MasterCard, and late-breaking Visa drop out of Facebook's Libra Association. Earlier in the summer, we talked about Facebook launching Libra Coin. Libra Coin was Facebook's cryptocurrency, and what was going to be notable about it is it had partners who were legit in the financial services industry. So some of which I just named, they had like 30 of them that were going to be founding members. And the idea was one of the vulnerabilities of cryptocurrency is it's based on nothing. <laughs> just <laughs> people bidding it up or bidding it down. And that's yeah. why you see those wild fluctuations. This crypto was going to be pegged to um, a currency portfolio, like 40% based on the dollar, 30% based on mm -hmm. the euro, to give it some stability. So you know when you exchange your dollars for Facebook Libra, it was going to have some steady value. Now, if Facebook was able to make this turn, and I think this is still a smart business move for Facebook, they're obviously struggling to pull it off. These players dropping out, MasterCard, Visa. I always thought MasterCard and Visa were a little bit conflicted here. They make their money doing traditional mm -hmm. transaction fees. In this model, they would have had to make their money on a share of profits from LibraCoin. So, um, you know, and the idea would be Facebook would have this crypto. They're already on everybody's phone. They could run it through the app, but now you could do things like microtransactions instantly. So instead of a like or a share, you might be able to give a fraction of a penny to a piece of content or a meme that you really liked and support. 
I still think this is where the internet is headed. I don't think this infrastructure is going to be built on existing platforms. I think Facebook, I think Google, everything that exists now is not going to be able to change their business model to do it. Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, founder-led, had the vision to see it. I think the politics of their situation aren't going to allow them to make it. The platform that makes it is going to come out of nowhere, and it's going to be big, you know, fast in a few years. Like, is it based around, uh, and when you mean the platform, do you mean something based around the microtransactions with their own currency or yep. something that creates their own currency? Like, a, like that's what I'm... So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether it's a social media type content mm-hmm. platform that allows you to award good content with a fraction of a penny through yeah. uh, crypto or it's rather someone builds the crypto to service a platform like a Reddit um, yeah, or something okay. like that. And I can see this in a Quora or a Reddit situation, not not in a Facebook, where people are bringing real value in the answers Yeah, uh, so that you have people getting paid to provide those answers. And there's literally... I mean, upvotes and like you can you you can mm-hmm. already downvote something. So like upvoting something actually has an intrinsic value yeah. because you can negatively affect somebody with a downvote. Yeah. Um, or they just don't get anything when you upvote them. Right. They get like a tenth of a cent or something. Yeah, right. And there's already in, in like inside of Reddit, there's already already things set up in this way where people can um, give out like gold, basically, yeah. like Reddit gold, mm-hmm. um, based on like a good answer or a good comment. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a subreddit, not to get off track, there's a subreddit mm-hmm. called Change My View. Have you ever heard of this? I have. Okay, with their award Deltas. Um, Delta is basically like you change that person's view. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought you'd be like perfect on that, on the subreddit. Yeah, I wish I had time. <laughs> yeah. I could just live yeah. on subreddits. <laughs> change My View, you might be able to make... If all if I had to do was <laughs> listen to podcasts and play around on Reddit, I'd be a very happy person. <laughs> No one's willing to pay me for that. Yeah, yet. maybe not yet. Not yet. Maybe you should come up with the cryptocurrency. Well, dude, I got these hot takes. So <laughs> eventually, people are going to hear it. So that's Facebook and Libra. Wait, you know, so sorry. Why did they back out? Why would they? Why did they drop? Because they initially had bought in, like Visa, Mastercard. Yeah, why did uh, they? Political pressure. So I think what happened, Facebook came out with it. Facebook was working with regulators. You saw the political backlash against Facebook Mm -hmm. from European and American governments. And we'll get to Elizabeth Warren and Facebook in a moment. And so I think that spooked these larger entrenched players because they probably have other things in play that they don't want this interfering with. Okay. So MasterCard and Visa, these are massive companies, PayPal. They don't want this screwing with the existing part of the business. So they backed out. Yeah, they have a thing that's working. I break it. Now, you also can't put past this that these whenever you see a coalition like this and people peel back kind of in a group oftentimes there's something working in the background to actively peel them back so i would not be surprised if a piece of this is that national governments don't like it they don't like a big powerful uh, i would actually question fakes they don't like a big influential company also having a potential currency that rivals their own. And so you could have a situation where they are getting pressure by governments like, hey, if you care about this banking issue, you need to get out of that. Yeah. Okay, sorry. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know this is not the Joe Hot Takes podcast, the Joe Hours, Hours, Hours This could podcast. be Joe Hours and Hours. <laughs> but I'm interested in seeing like what you think. Uh, I know we talked about like Amazon Armageddon. Like what do you think – the worst case scenario or maybe the biggest case scenario of Facebook Libra coin is like this Facebook 
become this huge, out of control, self sufficient, has its own currency? No, thing, it, it never would. Okay. Here, the thing with Facebook is it is a convenient scapegoat. It is primarily a convenient scapegoat for explaining um, black swan events. Nassim Tlaib, black swan, uh, you know, bet on the things that are way outliers. So Brexit and then the Trump election. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we do psychologically to when we have outliers occur that are beyond what we expected is we look for something to attribute, you know, some unusual thing to attribute it to. Facebook got pegged with that because of Cambridge Analytica. Now, we've yeah. also talked about before, and I lecture on this when I lecture um, over at Florida State, is Cambridge Analytica was a failure. The product did not work. It was only 1% effective at identifying anybody. It had less than it was probably negatively impactful in fact on the election it probably hurt trump and that's why brad parscal the trump campaign manager only spent a few million dollars out of a hundreds of million dollar budget in the first couple of months of that general election before they bailed out on it so like it was not working facebook probably had a no real effect you know outside of the trump campaign actually using facebook in really smart ways on their own yeah and they used it in very intelligent ways to influence and activate their audience. Yeah, but okay, so so it's become the scapegoat for it's the scapegoat. Events. It's okay. fancy to hate it. Yeah, so they're not, and that's so that's what the problem with my question was literally just like thinking that that would actually happen based on yeah. the public. Persona. I think so. Let's pretend twenty sixteen doesn't happen. Yeah, what happens with Facebook? I think Facebook ultimately starts to expand to a point where it loses it loses the cohesion it needs between its products to be successful right you were already starting in 2016 to see facebook blue fade with younger audiences and instagram pick that up i think that would have still continued regardless of the election stuff um i think facebook has forward momentum only as long as mark zuckerberg is heading it up once you put a traditional executive in there, like any forward momentum is gone and it's stagnant to declining pretty quickly. Mm. The Libra play would have been a way for Facebook to fundamentally change the way content distribution works because you could have these microtransactions that allow people to pay for it and incentivizes creators. It allows small to medium creators to make money without having to sell ads. They can make money direct from their audiences. I don't think that... You know, they may still find a way to do it, but right now with the political pressure being what it is, like Facebook, we've talked about this before, is Facebook is trying to change itself and its core value of the product to the small and mid-sized advertiser to satisfy political criticism that isn't actually based on anything Facebook does or did. Mm -hmm. It is based on trying to find a scapegoat for the 2016 election. So Facebook is hand-wringing and taking away targeting abilities and making it harder to buy ads and hiring 30,000 censors to review Facebook content. All of this to address a problem that no one's ever going to think Facebook is addressed. Yeah. Because you can't address the... You can't fix it. Uh, yeah. Because it's a political crisis, <laughs> not a product crisis. Yeah. Common thing you see with brands is they confuse their political for their product crisis. NBA is having it right now. Yeah. Uh, they might actually realize they're in a political crisis with the China stuff and not in a product 
crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way you respond to those things are very different, product crisis versus uh, political crisis. Um, you know, it's probably good to go in. Product crisis, when you have it, Take responsibility. Say what you're going to do to fix it. Yeah, this is a problem. There's a finger in the Wendy's chili. Samsung Note. Yep, Samsung Note. Here's what yeah. we're going to do to fix it. Political crisis, you either need to roll over really fast to make the pressure go away or double down on who you are. Mm -hmm. This is who we are. This is our core benefit. Either way, your opposition gets bored with picking on you after that. Yeah. So uh, next story, Instagram launches create mode with on this day throwbacks. Instagram has finally turned throwback Thursday into an official feature. It's part of the new Instagram create mode that launches today. This was yesterday, bringing the app beyond the camera. Create makes Instagram a more omnipurpose social network with the flexibility to adapt new content. So basically, one of... Instagram, Facebook's challenges with Instagram, and I think this is one of the reasons the founders left Instagram earlier in the year, is Instagram does not produce... It's, people on Instagram do not produce the same level of content as people do on Facebook. People are on Facebook, post all the time, here's an update, here's my hot take in the comments. Instagram is much more of a curated feed. It's much more of a... Uh, make sure your post gets a lot of likes, that it's well-framed and well-filtered. Uh, it's a lot tougher for people to feel confident like, oh, this should definitely go on Instagram. Facebook, you'll kind of throw it out there and see what happens. Instagram is working on prompts and features that let you reuse old content to get the content uh, like to critical mass. So more content, you'll have people spending more time on it. Uh, and you'll have people selling ads. The problem Facebook is having with Instagram right now is what they actually had with Facebook a couple of years ago that they tried to address with newsfeed changes is people were seeing very little content from friends and family and a lot more content from pro professional creators. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to address this by prompting people what to post. Okay. with Because that's like the create is... You mentioned Throwback Thursday. Yeah. They're actually pulling memories back up like so it has an yeah. on this day and there's a yeah. feature in the new uh app update where yeah. it'll say hey on this date you posted this picture do you want to repost this oh, okay. like in your stories with stickers and yeah, okay which is smart people mm -hmm. like to reminisce about things and so it's getting people to create more content on the platform now what facebook is ultimately i think at risk of doing is making instagram like the facebook blue app so, so that they can increase their ad loads on Instagram. Okay. Which may, I don't know if that's a smart business strategy or a bad business strategy. I don't know if making Instagram more like Facebook chases the younger audience off of Facebook as it helps bring in older audiences. I mean, wouldn't that, do you actually have a take on that? Like, do you think. That's a tough strategy decision. I don't know. Yeah, okay. You know, I think this is probably coming from Zuckerberg, the strategy for Instagram. Uh, so I imagine it's well thought out and there's yeah. something else going on there. Um, you know, beyond like, oh, they might lose, you know, Gen Z women. Right. And do you think, and I'm, the only reason I would think it might have an opportunity to keep people on it instead of losing them like Facebook, like younger people, is just the overall format of Facebook versus Instagram. 
is like you yes like it it is like you could post a lot but like it still has to be a picture or a video with very minimal text versus like the Facebook is just a post. Yeah. So like it still has to look kind of look good for people to stop and pay attention. Yep. Um even if it's your friends and family. Yeah. So this is a way mm. of resurfacing that successful content yeah. from the past. Okay. Uh, or giving you tips on how to make like mediocre content better and more interesting. Okay. Like one of the tricks with like stickers, right, is you're adding an additional visual element to something, which naturally causes people to pause in the feed mm -hmm. and read and evaluate what they're yeah. looking at. Or and so it's also bringing people back as far as a user because you're like, oh, I can just post this again. Yep. Cool. Not like thirty people looked at that, or I got twenty more likes. Yeah. Like oh, now I'm gonna come back. Now I'm gonna be no, on the spot. You know, they're experimenting with not having likes at all, like you're talking yeah. about last week. Oh wow. So like, I I do think Facebook yeah. is in one of the toughest strategic positions of any business in the country right now. I think they've done an okay job handling it. If I was running that company or advising them, I think they should have been. I think they should have stuck stronger to the core value of the company when they are facing and still are facing the political pressure. Our value is connecting people and our value on the advertiser end is we allow access to at scale advertising for small and medium sized businesses. Mm -hmm. You can come on Facebook and spend $500 and reach an audience. You can't do that on mail. You can't do that on TV. You can't do that on radio and anybody can do it. And we are protecting the platform you know, for that business owner, for that advertiser. Mm -hmm. And so you, regulator, everything you do to try and restrict amorphous potential bad things happening in election, you're actually hurting the little guy. You're not hurting the big guy. The big guy, here's what, you want to know what Russia's going to do this year? It's going to be the best thing. It's going to be the most amazing story of the year. They're going to spend like $2 million and send direct mail. <laughs> and then at the end of the election, they're going to leak all the direct mail they did. Yeah. And so Russia will have used the like government-subsidized postal service to distribute its propaganda. Are we going to shut down the postal service? Yeah, I mean, you can see the what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So next story, uh, did you have anything else on IG, Facebook? Uh, no. Um, so the next story is out of the Sarah Fisher's Axios Media Newsletter. And I think this is really smart. And I think more companies and brands should be doing it. And it's this, news companies are taking advantage of the interest surrounding the impeachment saga by building pop-up newsletters, podcasts, and sections solely to cover the day-to-day -day developments of the impeachment process. So it runs through Vox Media, what they're doing, CNN, what they're doing. And it's called uh, you know, the pop-up podcast or the pop-up newsletter. And then they talk about what was done with the New York Times and Telegraph and Politico for Game of Thrones, uh, for the World Cup, for the midterms last year. We have this saying around here that it's easier to ride a wave than to make a wave. And so when a wave is happening in culture, jumping on that is a really smart thing to do if you have something to say about it. So I think this is a great strategy for taking advantage of a happening in culture. Yeah, I mean, the that's the thing I think that's changing about podcasts right now is too, is people are starting to see it for you know, it doesn't have to be the conversation. It doesn't have to be these like one-to-one -one conversations. It can literally be one, it could be six episodes and that podcast can be done forever. Yep. Like you don't have to come back to it. You don't have to add a second season. You don't have to do it for the rest of your life. We, like you can just do that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we say this yeah. all the time when we're talking with people considering producing a podcast, yeah. when we're giving presentations on the stats, the podcast is the new version of the book 
are the long form piece of journalism. Mm. It can have a beginning and an end. Yeah. And it can do very well. And in fact, uh, the podcast uh, companies are selling great ads on this. And that ties into story number two, also out of this Axios newsletter. Vox Media now has more than 200 active podcasts that it publishes through the Vox Podcast Network. Up from, how many do you think they had going to be the end of the year? 20? 75. Okay. <laughs> Um, I figured it was still a lot. Like, that's still a huge amount. Some of their most popular ones are moving to twice a week. Uh, and they have um, they have advertisers signing multi-million dollar deals. And it's rumored uh, that the company brings in $185 million annually on their podcast advertising. And so that means they're are, they're not producing. They're not. They're literally putting it through networks. Sometimes, like it's almost like running it on their network. Yep, correct. They're not like doing all the upfront work. They're selling advertisement, and that's basically. So one it. of and their big the things is Kara Swisher of Recode. Yeah. So they have a bunch of Recode Media podcast. Recode's okay. a different media company, different brand. Yeah. Uh, Vox brands their podcast under their network, and yeah. then helps sell the ads for it right. and helps promote it. Yeah. It's a great business model. It's way there's been companies that have started up that have done that, but I think it's now switching to where, you know, you've seen like the the Times is doing it now as well. Like mm-hmm. they have they have their branded podcasts yeah. and, and some that aren't even the same thing, but moving towards that selling the advertising yeah. space. Here's what's great about this: it's scalable. Mm-hmm. The local paper in your town, which is struggling to find advertisers, yeah, can start podcast and sell advertising on them mm-hmm. at at a premium, right? Like my example uh, here in town in Tallahassee, there's this big uh, notable murder five or six years ago was a law school professor and he was just shot in the head in his car. uh, Dan Merkel sitting. Did I say the name? Is that the name? I don't know. Do you know? Oh God, we're the worst worst people in Tallahassee. (laughs) You don't know. So there was a podcast produced about that murder. That's very popular. People in town are listening to it. They tell me about it all the time. But it wasn't produced by a local media company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why? Scalable business model. Yeah. Do this. If you are listening and you run a local radio station or a local newspaper, start a podcast series that covers yeah. a notable story in your town. Do four or five podcast yeah. series. Or just look for a podcast that you can run on your station. Yeah. I mean, like that's also a, a big thing that should be happening. Pick up too. the network. Yeah. yeah. Like become the network. Yeah. If you have it, like there's two sides to that. Is it, are you are you struggling to get advertisement, or do you have the advertisers and you're struggling to have content. interesting shows and yeah. content? Yeah. And this is part of it with the advertiser. Advertisers are usually looking for new and interesting ad products mm-hmm. to buy. One of the things I see in the in the media space, so TV, radio station, is what they've done. I. I understand they're publicly traded companies. They're under a lot of revenue pressure. One of the mistakes they've made is they've started selling a lot of undifferentiated uh, ad product. And so you'll have like, uh, you know, the newspaper uh, syndicates, the TV syndicates, they will sell you advertising. But then they also have, um, you know, like Scripps, for example, has, you know, Scripps Digital, which like you can buy your newspaper ad, but then they'll also sell you the uh, services to place your content on, you know, Facebook ads or Google ads. So they'll buy that stuff for you. 
So they're selling, they're spending all of this money and energy to sell undifferentiated content. They don't own Facebook. They don't own, like, they're competing in a, they're basically competing with, like, every agency in the country right. to sell those advertisers. Mm -hmm. What they should be doing is creating new content yeah. on new platforms on which to sell advertisers, which they totally own and control, and therefore is completely unique. Yep. Like, that should be the game in media. Mm-hmm. Because you can build your own network now. Like you can, you can build your own network to serve ads through. Yeah. Yes. You could build your own network to serve ads through, but you need the content. Yeah. Um, but again, these are publicly traded companies. They're under pressure to produce, you know, revenue this quarter, not revenue in two years. And so like but that's what, ultimately yeah. what's gonna get them killed. What I see them doing too is actually making the podcast, which I think is like, if you have that much, like, yeah, you should probably be doing that. But also, like, why aren't you doing the other thing where you're just picking up? Like, Vox, that's a, I didn't know, even know they were doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a super smart, yeah, super smart play. And just that stat of they have 200 podcasts in their networks, mm -hmm. that probably brings advertisers, like, knocking down their door when they hear that. And they, you don't even know the numbers. Yeah. You don't even know how many people are tuning in to this 200 podcast. I mean, like, but still. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not small numbers to do $185 million yeah, in revenue. 100%, yeah. Uh, here's what's interesting. Last thing on this. Um, we got about the, five minutes. Sure. The company Vox Media is hosting the first ever Podcast Upfronts Tuesday. So uh, today in New York, we'll announce several new shows and updates to its podcasting slate. So they are selling their ads upfront for the upcoming season in 2020 of their podcast. Like... Podcasts or podcast like one all of their podcasts. Of so oh, okay. you know what upfronts are. So upfronts in uh -huh. in traditional media world, you have them uh, a couple times a year, I yeah. think, and it's where the advertisers go and it's a big conference and the networks are showing off their new shows. Uh, you know, like CSI Baton Rouge. Yeah, okay. um, you know, is gonna launch and they're they're like, hey, for two million dollars, you can buy that lead spot on mm -hmm. CSI Baton Rouge. Yeah. Uh, so upfronts are the way you sell really in-demand ad products and build hype for them. Oh, okay. So super smart move. So they're selling upfronts, like they're going to get a lot of money, but they're also going to build it out through people who are like, oh, I really want to be, now that I heard about the upfront, but I probably couldn't afford the upfront, but I mm -hmm. can still come in and get across that whole network. Yeah, so they might yeah. be able to buy the premium spot. Now, people right. buying upfronts are usually buying premium okay. inventory. Okay. Like, that's why they're there. They're going to write the big check for a million dollars to be the mm -hmm. title sponsor of, you know, in Vox Media's case, it's going to be, we want to be title sponsor of the podcast that's behind the scenes with the Democratic candidate. Yeah, okay. So that's what they're doing. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, next exciting. story, uh, Activision Blizzard is under scrutiny from lawmakers, gamers, and maybe incident employees after punishing a Hearthstone competitor who voiced his support for protesters in Hong Kong. So there's a competitor, I think he placed in the money round uh, in the eSports competition. Uh, on the feed, he supported the Hong Kong protesters, and Activision was like, eh-eh. Yeah. They, uh, they NBA'd him. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's your take on that? I'm interested, because I have a take on that, actually. Um, that I, I read. It's not probably a personal take, but... Yeah, I, I've given a lot of takes. Go ahead with yours. Okay, so uh, I actually, I read that article on, on Reddit, and then, um, you know, and it was a very, I guess, like, pro, I guess you would say, like, pro-left, like, pro-gamer, pro, like, whatever is going on in China right now. Um, and so 
they were kind of like, I can't believe they did that. Like, they messed up hardcore. Blizzard messed up. Activision messed up. Like, they should have never done that. That's basically silencing free speech, right? Um, and then I saw a comment that someone explained and said, imagine if someone in the U.S. stood up and said, build the wall during the money round. What would you want them to do at that point? Um, so like it was kind of an interesting take taking like the left side like obviously these video games lean probably like yeah. just because of the natural uh, you know demographics lean a little mm -hmm. bit more left so it was interesting to see that that take um, I think yeah. so that's interesting yeah um, I think Americans are struggling with not being the prettiest girl at the global economic dance right now and what you see what we are experiencing is we thought we had like all the boys paying attention to us, but it turns out the NBA and like Activision Blizzard have actually been going to hang out with this like, you know, other girl across the dance floor. <laughs> and we didn't know how serious it was till we tried to like, yeah. you know, get them to badmouth her and they didn't participate. They're like, uh, no, we kind of like Sally. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what's going on right now. Okay. Um, I, you know, I think in my opinion, mm -hmm. right now, look, should you know american company it's going to create political pressure for you you're going to have to deal yeah you're going to have to figure out how to deal with the opposite poles of you know american culture and chinese culture especially as the two are now colliding politically mm -hmm. like we are aware in the united states more about chinese politics than we've ever been largely because of the trade war and you know trump pressing that issue yeah one of the things without a doubt, that I think Trump has succeeded in moving culture on is opinions about China, and it's happened quickly. So uh, last story, I know we're out of time. Yeah. We'll do a few minutes over time. Uh, Elizabeth Warren targets Facebook's ad policy with a Facebook ad. A fresh series of Facebook's ad, Facebook ads this week by Democratic presidential candidate, candidate Elizabeth Warren, I can't speak, uh, seeks to put the social media giant on the defensive. So what she did is the campaign ran an ad that said, Mark Zuckerberg supports Donald Trump. <laughs> and then the ad waits a few seconds and then it says, no, not really, but we're just testing Facebook's ad policy. So this comes from a challenge Joe Biden made against a Trump ad that he said was false and a conspiracy theory. Facebook said it allowed political candidates free speech and broad latitude to voice um, opinions on the platform. Yeah. So Elizabeth Warren trolled yeah. by publishing a falsehood about Mark Zuckerberg. Now, to Facebook's credit, they let it run. They didn't interfere with it. Yeah. Um, look, here's what I think you see on this. Uh, to me, it is especially hypocritical of like the the everybody, not just Democrats, the Republicans too, criticize Facebook, and then what do they do? spend millions of dollars on the platform their campaign like if you're going to say these companies are bad and should be broken up do not participate yeah like don't take a moral stance on something and then support it because like it's realistic in order to compete we have to be on here mm -hmm. like if you're going to have the moral courage to stand behind that value yeah both republicans and democrats like don't put the money there if you think that it's doing bad things to our society do you think... I think the trolling is brilliant. And this yeah, is what yeah, every advertiser, so. by the way, knows. Every restriction Facebook puts on ads, what do we do? We figure out a way to get the message out. We find loopholes. Yep. We find alternate routes. Like, it doesn't really matter. What 
do you think it's actually realistic for someone if they took that stance? And I and I know your point, but do you think it's realistic for someone to take a stance and then not run ads on Facebook or Instagram and actually like win an election or win a primary election yeah. or do the well? The problem is it's not going to be possible for them to build a big email list and small dollar donors without it. They yeah, can okay. still raise enough money to buy the um to you know, buy the TV and do the mail mm-hmm. and the traditional stuff necessary to win for sure. Yeah. Do you think a Democratic candidate yeah, could do it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think we have this perception yeah. that like nineteen year olds are the leading voter in Democratic primaries, but it's like fifty five oh, year olds, okay, uh, just like every other voter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now y- you know, under thirty votes, a bigger part of their voting base for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but as far as turnout percentages, yeah. yeah. As far as turnout. But look, I think politically, is it smart for Elizabeth Warren to be picking a fight with Facebook and Google? Probably. Yeah. I think it's probably smart. But, you know, here's the thing. Like, she's only able to do this because she knows the companies aren't as corrupt as she's accusing them of being. Otherwise, if you thought they were, like, this powerful force that could change the tide of the most powerful nation on Earth with just a few ads... Right, which is the accusation of what yeah. Russia did, you wouldn't pick on that company when you're running for office, right? Because mm-hmm. what if they just like, oh, your ads didn't run as well, or we yeah. accidentally targeted your ads to the wrong audience? Just click the lose election button. Yeah, just click oh, the man. lose election button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, Google doesn't surface any of your results. Yeah. Like this to the me, and, that, yeah. like we shouldn't be surprised. It's politics. Like there's not an actual belief that these things are that bad. There's this a capitalization on the public's. I don't even think there's actually a public there's hysteria the media, around it. There's the media, it's the media. around. Yeah. yeah around. I think people are like, oh, yeah, Facebook, privacy. Yeah. Then they get on Facebook and, you know, log in. Yeah, exactly. Start sharing everything about their life. Yeah, and see their ads. Going on vacation for- <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah. And then you see the other million of ads, yeah. dollar ads that Elizabeth Warren's actually running. Yeah. <laughs> um, but look, Trump's yeah. doing the same thing. He's yeah. not been as uh, critical of Facebook, but they've yeah. all been criticizing it. Like, if you think it's that bad of a force... Don't spend the money there. Yeah, since literally the beginning of this year. Yeah. Um, all right, I think we covered it. How far over did I go? Four minutes. Oh, good. Yeah, not that bad. Bonus time, overtime. Yeah. Free podcast. <laughs> OT. <welcome. laughs> all right, well, that does it for us here in Strategic Digital Studio. That's SDS still. Um, we will. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. We need a name for the studio. Right, it's really technically uh, Graybridge Studios. It's really right? technically Graybridge, yeah, Graybridge Studios. Studios. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, so from Graybridge Studios, this has been Joe Clements and Kyle Kane. We are going to see you next week. I think Matt will be in, Kyle will not be here. And Kyle, I mean me, is in the third person. How are we going to do this? <laughs> yeah. We'll get up record done somehow. Yes, up record will be up next week. All right, everybody, um, that's it. We will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Of Record is hosted and produced by me, Matt Farrar, and Joe Clements. Senior producer is Kyle Kane. Of Record is recorded at SDS Studios in Tallahassee, Florida. This episode of Of Record was edited and mixed by Kyle Kane. Our theme music is composed and performed by Rob Goki. Special thanks to Rebecca Romero, Nipa Eason, Shannon Glasner, and our team of interns here at SDS Studios. You can see more information about our guests and their projects at our website, podcastofrecord.com. We are, of course, on Facebook, and you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast of Record. For more information or to inquire about coming on the show, you can email us at info at podcastofrecord.com. As always, we'd appreciate your feedback and reviews in your favorite podcast app of choice. 
with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.